0: If they're not obsessed and passionate about building a great customer experience at every single touch point, the rest of it's just noise.
1: The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. All right. Hey, guys. We're back with another episode of the B2B MX Podcast. No replays today. I've got a big player in the B2B space with me today, and we're gonna unpack a ton of things in a really short amount of time. So just make sure you keep up, all right? I've got my good friend Jeff Pedowitz. He is the president and CEO of the Pedowitz group. And I mean, I truly don't think that he really needs a formal introduction. He's a longtime expert and industry player, like I said, in the B2B world. So if you're a B2B marketer, you definitely know the Pedowitz group and jeff pedowitz himself so however if you don't well you're about to find out and learn more about jeff and his insane expertise so jeff it's been such a long time since we've actually spoken thank you so much for taking the time how's it going today
0: oh claudia it's so good to be back and it's so good to speak with you again yeah i guess we took it for granted all those events where we would see each other literally every other month and i know we've all been busy over the last couple years just doing it more virtually
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so much has happened even this year alone, 2021 alone. So, I do want to talk about a few different topics, and I've got a bunch of different questions to cover today. But, first things first, let's catch up a little bit. What have you been up to this past year?
0: Oh my gosh, it's been a very, very busy year. So, we've had another record year of growth, we've hired a ton of people. I added a lot of new services as our market continues to grow. And somewhere along the way, I did find time to write a book.
1: Whoa. (laughs) How do you manage to find time to just write a book out of the blue being such a busy, busy guy?
0: I had a lot of help. They do say it takes a village. It it did indeed. So really, really appreciative of my marketing team led by Majda Anwar. A lot of great support from the folks over at Forbes. But, you know, they broke it down. It was, uh, I guess, a lot of big projects, if you break it down to a series of small steps, it works. So we started in July of last year, and they would have me block out about two hours every Tuesday where I would sit down with the team and we would work on a chapter a week and then revise. So it was a long process, but certainly well worth it. And for anyone that's thinking about writing a book, I could always certainly tell you about the good, the bad, and the ugly, but uh, really, really happy with the final product.
1: Very, very cool. And yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the baby steps approach, taking it little by little, day by day, really, really goes far at the end of the day. But okay, you launched the book. Tell me about it. What's the title and what inspired you to write it?
0: The title of the book is called F the Funnel. And the F, you know, if you guys know me, (laughs) F means what it means. (laughs) Well, it really, it's been for a number of years now of just growing up in the space and B2B and lead gen, demand gen. I got frustrated a really long time ago with the funnel model, and it wasn't just any one analyst firm promoting their model over another. I just found the whole concept to be outdated, and the reason for that is I just feel the funnel is very much about the company themselves and internal need to forecast and drive pipeline. Now that's not that that's not important, but it really loses complete sight of the customer, the relationship. and. Today's modern buying era, especially with everything that's happening digital, it just doesn't take into account how customers buy what they need. And then it also, the funnel is very short-sighted because it stops at the closed one. And it really doesn't think about the entirety of the customer relationship. So my team and I set out to build a different model, a better model that was much more simpatico, I guess, with the customer and what they go through their entire life cycle. We call it the loop. And it's really an infinity-based approach that looks at the entire customer journey from beginning to loyalty and adoption and advocacy.
1: I love that, and honestly, I couldn't agree more. You can't have that hard stop at the end. You know, there's always a way to keep that relationship going even after somebody signs on that dotted line. So I definitely could agree with why you decided to either to write the book in general and and tell people to f the funnel. And again, I love it. I'm a I have a truck driver mouth myself. So (laughs) in any like business related thing, if we could kind of cuss here and there, I love it. I'm all about it. So without really kind of giving away too much of the champagne here, what are some tips that you could give from the book? What is your new kind of recommended way of thinking about revenue models now?
0: Well, first of all, it's really one shared model, right? If you look at the parallel moves that are happening this move towards revenue ops right where sales marketing customer service are coming together to have an integrated team based approach to driving revenue and working with the customer. The loop is a reflection of that also it goes beyond just specific forecasting and processing and scoring, and it examines the behaviors and the things that the customers need to do and what we need to do to stay in sync with the customer. And it's not just a sales or marketing function at any particular point. It's the coordinated, it's like a dance, right? It's like an orchestra. It's all the different pieces coming together at the right time. So it's integrated. Let's talk about one phase that gets ignored by so many companies, which is onboarding. In a funnel model, there's no concept, right? You close one, it's a customer, you ring the bell, and then you go right back to the beginning to the top of the funnel. Well, that is all the funnel from a customer standpoint. That's the dating, right? But onboarding starts the marriage. And what they're looking for now, they've been sold, they've been wined, they've been dined, and now they're getting ready to implement your product or service. And yet, so many companies just skip this entirely, The onboarding experience, which is such an important way to start building value, establish your brand promise, and fulfill against your brand promise, and start understanding your customer. But this gets skipped over. So just spending time on putting together a really good onboarding program that's going to focus on indoctrinating the customer and making sure they get what they need will go a long way towards improving the relationships that you have.
1: Very, very interesting. And I honestly, I haven't really thought that much about it. And that's a really great point. Onboarding, you know, it's, yes, you already have that kind of first impression with the customer as a brand, just from the marketing and the selling, but then you really want to give them a good impression as how you treat your customers in a day-to-day. So that's very fascinating. Again, like I said, we're going to hop all over a bunch of different topics now. And since you've been leading successful B2B and B2C companies for, what, like over 25 years now, I'm sure a lot has changed. I'm sure you've seen so many ups and downs and and innovations and failures and all that. So... Obviously, so much has changed even in the past like 20 months alone, but is there anything that hasn't changed in B2B from what you could kind of recall in your tenure?
0: Well, interestingly enough, I mean, the relationship between sales and marketing and the need for marketing to establish and its credibility within the organization is still as much of a challenge now as it was 20 years ago. It's just there's a lot more technology, a lot more models, a lot more things at stake, but at its premise sales and marketing still have different worldviews, different objectives, different goals. You use different systems. And as for as long as that happens, you're always gonna have a disconnect no matter what the latest greatest widget is. A good current classic example of that is with ABM and ABX. Now, there are some really excellent platforms out there. I mean, Sixth Sense and Demand Base have done a great job of building out enterprise functionality to do this. But most organizations are treating ABM like they treated marketing automation. They buy one of these platforms and then they think they're doing ABM, just like when they bought Marketo or Eloqua or HubSpot or whatever, they thought they were doing uh, marketing automation. It's not the case. So it's, it's while the technology certainly can inform and orchestrate plays and give you insights, if you're not going to reorient and change your processes, you need to have a really tight ICP, you need to have content, You need to have shared metrics and then it's not something that marketing can just bring in an airdrop on sales it has to be coordinated and supported by both the chief revenue officer and the chief marketing officer. So a uh, current example, I guess, the more things change, the more things, they, they stay the same.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And honestly, that's shocking to me. I didn't think that this was going to be such a huge challenge for so long, you know, that sales and marketing alignment. And of course, now with ABF being so hot and on the map, it's critical for these two organizations to be aligned and, and have be working towards that same goal. So what have you learned? Let's say, okay, We're going back down memory lane a little bit into the pandemic months. So, what have you learned during the past 20 plus months of the pandemic and lockdown? And what are you kind of hoping kind of sticks around as we go back to this, whatever new world we're going to be living in?
0: Well, more than ever before, look, it always has been and always will be about relationships. I think, if anything, the pandemic highlighted that even more. I mean, we all, at its worst, right? We were isolated. We felt despondent We're shut off from communication, from activity, from human support. We all need that. We're not meant to just (laughs) live in a cave by ourselves and not have interaction. And it's not just about the events. It's about all the interactions and seeing your team and your employees and breaking bread with your customers and just getting to know each other as people. And that's something that no matter how good the technology is, artificial intelligence can't build a relationship. Technology can't build a relationship. Relationships build relationships through people. It's about emotion. And no software in the world will ever be able to do that. And so I think one of the things I've really learned is just the importance of making your team feel valued, of supporting them, of nurturing them, and realizing that in life, there's a lot more to work than that. I mean, it's life, you know, and there's a lot of things going on where people need that support.
1: Yeah, Jeff, that's fascinating. And that actually tees up my next question really well, because you mentioned nurturing and supporting your team and employees. But one thing that we've been experiencing lately that has somewhat come from the pandemic and all of this lockdown work from home stuff is this idea of what people are calling the great resignation. And it's been really tough, right? So what is your perspective on that? And what should business leaders be thinking about now as they start to recruit and hire more talent or they're looking to hire more talent, or even just maintain whoever they have, so they don't quit their jobs.
0: It is absolutely a challenge. I, in in several of my CEO networking groups, I would say talent recruiting and the Great Resignation are probably number one or number two on just about every CEO's list. We face these challenges ourselves too. This year, there's a, a lot of movement in the marketplace, particularly. For our employees who are incredibly talented, very gifted, very technically savvy, there's a lot of opportunities out there. So we've been fortunate that we've been able to attract a lot of great people to the company, but we've also seen some really good employees pursue some other career-building opportunities. And so we're really, really happy for them uh, because they were able to develop those skills here and they're moving on and and growing in their careers. But, you know, from an organizational, it's one of those things where it's kind of like your kids, right? You want them to grow up and leave and have successful careers and and be and do well, but it's always bittersweet because <laughs> you also want them home and you want to see them at the kitchen table and play games with them and watch TV with them. I mean, so I think we view more family members here and that's how we think of them as family. It's the same way. It's, it's always a bittersweet thing, but gosh, over the years, I mean, we our employees have gone on to found some of their own companies. They've become CMOs. They've done a lot of amazing things and we couldn't be prouder about that. But, you know, in terms of talent, it's really a multidimensional approach, and there's no one silver bullet here. There's the obvious things, right? Paying competitively, having good benefits, job satisfaction. But it's also about really understanding your culture, understanding what your employees are looking for, and really, really working proactively with your leadership to do a lot of the little things besides the big things to make your place attractive. And it's not enough to just put out a job posting. You really have to sell your company. (laughs) You have to evangelize it to prospective employees because it's a dance. It's a big dating game, right, And which leads to a marriage. So they're trying to understand whether or not they should come here as much as we're trying to understand if they're a good fit for us. And in this market, it really is uh, an employee's marketplace. So companies really have to go above and beyond to do all those kinds of things to make sure their company's attractive. And it's not about adding another air hockey table or bringing in free food on Friday morning. Those, those are all gimmicks. It's really all the other things. Do they feel supported? Are you part of a cause bigger than just making money? You know, are you doing something that's inspiring? Or is it a place where people can learn and grow and thrive and build their own meaningful relationships? And I don't think maybe a lot of executives take the time to think about that. Because we spend so much time, okay, our products, our services, our growth rate, our market you know, share, our profitability. And I get, yeah, those things are important too, but you can't do it without employees.
1: Right. Yeah. Like, And like you said, tech and AI, they can't do all this kind of work, right?
0: No, they really can't. And it is hard work, you know, but I do believe it pays off. This year for us, I mean, like many businesses, it was, certainly was not easy at parts. I mean, but we've worked at it and, keep, and we're going to keep working at it because we're... Determined to make this the very best place on the planet for people to come, but we're not perfect. And we certainly have a punch list of things that we want to address and we're going to keep doing it.
1: Hey marketers, you've been waiting for it and it's finally happening. The B2B Marketing Exchange is back in person in Scottsdale. If you're a fan of the conversations we share on the B2BMX podcast, this event is literally made for you. Get a front row seat at Sessions that will challenge everything you think you know about marketing. Plus, you'll finally get back to in-person networking in a safe, comfortable environment. If you register today, you'll not only knock $500 off the ticket price with our Early Bird discount, but you'll save an additional 50% by using the code B2BMXPOD during registration. Early Bird expires January 15th, so make sure you register today to save big. Check out the show notes for more information or head to b2bmarketing.exchange to get your ticket now. So when it comes to hiring talent, let, let's say you are looking for a marketer, right? What do you look for in that modern marketer these days, especially after everything that we've been through now that everything is so digital first and we're going into these hybrid models and, and all that stuff? What are some key criteria of a good modern marketer to you personally?
0: First, they really need to be customer-centric. Yes, I want them to be data-driven, I want them to be tech-savvy, I want them to be do all those things well, but if they're not obsessed and passionate about building a great customer experience at every single touch point, the rest of it's just noise. So I think that's really, really important. I think a high-aptitude, ability to deal with ambiguity, flexibility, innovation, creativity, I think these are all important things. There's so much tech on the marketplace now. I think there's probably been maybe an over reliance or dependence on people with tech skills in a specific platform or platforms. You can only go so far with that. I think you got to figure out what you want to own within your marketing organization and where you can afford to partner or outsource because nobody can do everything anymore. (laughs) You know, it's just too many channels, too many tech five years ago, if you knew Pardot and Salesforce and, and some reporting, you were great. You know, you were getting gold. But today, those are just table stakes. You've got to then got to layer on six Sense and demand Base, and you have to know Tableau or Power BI, and you got to be able to do data orchestration, and you got to be a social marketer, and content marketer. I mean, you can't find one person that can do all those things. So it's much better to someone that understands them You fill in the gaps where you need specialists or more full-time people, but you focus more on people that understand how to take your brand, your product, your service, and create emotional experiences through multiple channels. And then you could always find the right technical expert to execute that.
1: Fascinating. Really, really great advice there. All right. Switching gears once again, let's dive into some 2022 trends and and just, you know, future of B2B. Off the top of your head, what are three trends B2B organizations should focus on this year?
0: Hybrid and virtual events are here to stay. So while I think some of us are probably missing the bigger conferences just to go back and see our friends, (laughs) the reality is... While they're gonna continue to be important, I think we're gonna see these more dynamic, more flexible events be more common for both the organizer as well as the people that they're attending. Second, I think we're gonna continue to see more voice-driven search and just given the periphery or the proliferation of devices and Alexa and mobile. And then I think third, we're gonna continue to see AI drive a lot more activity across multiple marketing channels and through data.
1: Awesome. Really good stuff. So you mentioned AI, technically consider that a tool. What other tools are absolutely critical to navigating this new world of this, you know, digital hybrid marketing and just anything in B2B? What tools are kind of even on your radar now?
0: Well, I think you still have to have a good data orchestration type of partner. I, just so many channels, so many discrete and siloed sets of data. You've got to have a platform and a strategy that can bring those things together. Depending upon your marketplace and which and how you're using CRM, it may not be the right platform. You might want to look at a CDP as well. Content management systems continue to be critically important. And so really it's not just for your website, but it supports your content syndication, animization, and taxonomy. So those are all continue to be important tools And then, really, it's understanding the channels and your markets and your ICP. And from there, it could be a wide variety of uh, technology that fits into your stack in order to get the job done. But I always advocate on less is more. Stop going out and buying software for every little thing. It actually only ends up slowing you down. And and it's a fallacy that CFOs and CEOs think that because you're buying technology to scale, you need less headcount. Every time that you buy more technology, you actually need more headcount, not less.
1: Very interesting. So we touched on events some physical events are, are coming back, you know, our B2B marketing exchange is, is coming back to Scottsdale. But you had said, obviously, hybrid and virtual events and engagements are here to stay, of course. So what are you most excited about when it comes to like this new era of events? Are you looking forward to going to more some in person things? Do you like to have like that little mix here? Or are you are you just strictly sticking to, to virtual and hybrid?
0: Well I mean for me personally, I you know honestly now look after a couple of years of not seeing anybody, I probably along with a lot of people would crave to go to a couple of events just to yeah. you know just to see <laughs> you, see other people, to have a drink, see real human beings in person. I think that'll be important, but honestly, at this point in my career prior to the pandemic, for me, I was mostly done with events. I mean it's time for I have a lot of employees and a lot of younger people let them go and conquer and do all that. I would much rather see customers and see my friends and see the vendors that we work with and partners and just have a smaller, quieter dinner. I don't need to be there for myself personally. But from a business standpoint, as I said earlier, I still think there'll be a blend. I got big big events like Dreamforce and Adobe and, and others I still think will be very relevant. It's a great way to bring a lot of um, talent and thought leadership and, and people together. But I think we'll even see those events take on a bit more of a surgical approach and we'll see more integration. What I'm looking for as an industry professional with this new hybrid event is more of the immersive type of experiences that in-person necessarily didn't lend themselves to, right? So whether we're using augmented reality, virtual reality headsets, more things where we could participate and immerse ourselves in the experience and be part of the event, not just an observer at the event. I think we're gonna see a lot more of that and technology is coming online all the time that makes that possible.
1: Very interesting. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to, I just want to see what a hybrid model looks like. Everybody keeps talking about it and people have their ideas and theories and it's still hard to tell what the ideal hybrid model looks like. Do you have any ideas?
0: I mean, I can paint a a couple hypothetical possibilities, whether or not these come to pass. So look, there's already, and you've been at conferences too, where you can hand audiences trackpads or controls and that you could do real-time voting and surveying. Uh So they're part of the content and they're shaping the presentation. Uh Something like that could be paired with people that are virtual, that are online or on a mobile phone or device so that people are connected Conferences already use screens that display Twitter boards and comments that people are making. It could easily be added a few more screens to show people from home. So if you're integrating in with zoom and teams, so those are some of the more low hanging fruit things to bring people in. But where I do see this possibly going is make it an experience. I mean, if you've seen some um, companies like GE and others where they take you on augmented tours through their plants, their manufacturing plants. Why can't a speech at a conference be the same way? Or why can't a software demonstration take you inside the product? Why do you just have to see another PowerPoint or a talkover on the screen? Why can't you be in the demo? So instead of going to someone's booth on 24 and others, you know, pioneered some of these concepts, like be in the booth, be part of the experience, make it more immersive. So these are some of the things that I think that are very possible with the technology that's already available, and it will only get better from there.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see all of that fun stuff come to life. It's been challenging, obviously. The times have been challenging, but they're also like super exciting. And you also you get to see everybody's creativity come out and all these new innovations and things like that. So exciting times for sure. All right. We're coming down to the half hour mark, Jeff. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, even though we could go on for hours. Any final thoughts, any other predictions for the state of MarTech or B2B in general? Any final thoughts? Plug your book, do whatever you want. What do you have to say?
0: Hey, look, if anything taught us over the last couple of years is the world doesn't stand still. Let's just keep innovating, keep creating. There'll be new channels, new opportunities, new market segments. I think our job as marketers is to keep adapting. Keep telling the story, keep evangelizing it, and find the best ways to reach our customers. And remember, our customer is a human being, not a number, not a piece of tech, not a piece of data. They're real. So treat them as such, just like you would your friends and family. And if you do those things consistently, you'll be far ahead of the company that has the greatest tech stack in the world.
1: I love it. And that's the mic drop moment right there. I'm not going to add any more to that. I don't think we even have to. So everyone, that is a wrap for today's episode. Jeff, thank you so much. This was a really great conversation. And thank you so much for taking the time to hop on and chat with me.
0: Thank you, Claudia. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in person. (laughs) Yes,
1: Yes, hopefully soon one day. And everyone, of course, be sure to check out Jeff's book, F the Funnel. I will definitely include a link to purchase in our show notes. So check that out. And of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. We're available on any podcast player of your choice. Catch me on Twitter and LinkedIn. Share whatever feedback you have. Let me know who else you want to hear from on the podcast and or just hop on the social channels and and say hi. Again, thank you all so much for, for checking out today's episode. I will catch you all next week.